have sort of concluded our look at new creation with last week talking about what does this mean for community? What does this mean for uh, us together? And then this week was what does this mean for uh, discipleship? And of course, uh, I don't have my Bible on me, but I, I do have my iPad and I've got my Bible here. But we looked at 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 through 21 this past week, um, where, where Paul's defending his apostleship, but he's doing it uh, by deconstructing the celebrity culture of Corinth and saying, uh, all the ways you're trying to regard me are uh, not with new creation eyes. So uh, we talked this past Sunday about uh, that if anyone's in Christ, they're new creation. And that gives us, as we're in Christ, it gives us new eyes to see people. Um, and we see them, uh, we see them um, in love, right? Changes our relationship to everyone. And so the new creation mission is about proclaiming good news. And I, um, you know, we always try to have a way to narrate the reality, either that we're calling people out of, which we would call the bad news, or narrating the reality we're calling people into. Uh, and this week I was fortunate enough to be able to narrate the reality that um, I believe Jesus is calling us into through uh, um, my friend and his story in the parking lot. And, and one of the reasons that story uh, touched me so much uh, was because of how he refused to regard, regard an antagonistic um, woman with anything other than love. Right. And so um, this is, I think, I think his example gives us sort of a, a picture of what it looks like to be on mission in the new creation. Um, in that we are, fiercely and uh, resolutely uh, choosing to look at people through the resurrection of Jesus and standing steadfast in that uh, great, great chasm of love, just the great um, ocean of love that that provides us and calling and beckoning people into that. I think this is a, a much needed posture. I think, um, you know, sometimes when I read scriptures and I, I and Jesus says they'll know, they'll all people will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. I think you know everybody's nice. You know, nicest niceness is sort of the currency of of uh, polite society, but but not many people have uh, the kind of love that Jose showed for that woman. Mm-hmm. It's a rare, it's a rare special thing that I think is our birthright as sons and daughters in the kingdom. So the good news then was um, that the new creation mission is motivated by love, mediated in love, and it's a message of love, of reconciliation. So curious as to what grabbed you, struck you, bothered you, stirred in you, um, either as uh, you heard that proclaimed or as you've thought about it. So let's throw it open for a conversation. Hmm. 
one thing that struck me about your story of Jose is um, identity and his, um, his strong identity in his relationship in the love of Christ. And um, that, the, that God loved him so much that he then could love out of that. And so he was just that yes. the strength of his, of standing in that identity. It just was very powerful. It just hit me that, you know, somebody who's not maybe sure of, does God really love me? Or where do I stand with God? Would have a much harder time than expressing that kind of resolute love for someone else and, and, and not backing down in fear. It was beautiful. Yes. That was what hit me. Yes, Nancy. What I hear you saying, just reflect this back, is that this isn't a technique or a strategy. No. Like you can't, when somebody comes at you like that, all your strategies and techniques go out the window. Yeah. You can't think and through we, it like that. Yeah. It has to be. Whatever is. Have to be yes. Around. Yeah. yeah. Whatever's identity. in your bones, whatever's in your gut just comes out. Yeah. 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 It's so true, Nancy. So then that would mean too, then just to think about this after you, that would, that would mean then that any training in love would have to be about getting to the heart of our identity and what we live out of on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so um, rather than working on being more patient or working on being less of a liar, which are good ideas. I don't want to besmirch those two, you know, be patient and lie less. That'd be great. But, uh, you know, what you just said was like, this person, you can't operate like that unless you're tapping into and drawing on a deep well of your identity and as the, as the beloved. Yeah. So that's that abiding in the, in the love of, yeah. Yes. As the beloved, actually. Absolutely. So, and as we, as now and even says, as we, you know, we are the beloved, but until we live into that, we, we can't live out of it. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's a really beautiful way to say it. And there's something powerfully, I mean, there's something powerfully uh, transformational or winsome about that too. Uh, in the sense of when, when hatred is met with a fierce love, yeah. people, people are undone. People just don't know what to make of it. Yeah. So not only does that enable us to proclaim good news, but actually inhabiting that posture is good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's key. That's key. Yeah, other thoughts about that or other things? Yeah, I think what struck me um, was when you when you said how so often that posture of love gets reduced to like something that's weak or you know somehow easy, um, not strong. 
is probably a better way to say it. Um, and, and you just highlighted how much strength it takes to love somebody the way that Jose did in, in, uh, in, in the story between him and that woman. Um, and I, um, yeah, it's hard to do. It's really hard. I think that usually my response as someone, even just as somebody who's not on the receiving end of that kind of hatred, but someone who is watching someone else be hatred towards another person mm -hmm. or doling out, you know, group of people, I want to, I want to get on the combative side and I want to, yes either tell them why they're wrong or I want to fight them, you know, with my words and I want to argue with them and I want to, um, I want to win that kind of argument rather than, um, I just, I, I, what I realize is like how little of a imagination I have for like what it looks like to just love somebody, um, to off, to, to offer them love. I, but what Nancy is saying, like we can't, how we can't live out of that love until we live into it. That's, mm -hmm that's 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 it right mm. yeah 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 i'm thinking about you know dallas willard used to used to say something similar where he said like people think like it was hard for jesus to be as loving as he was you know as loving as he was but he said actually the vision of holiness that the new testament gives us is that it actually isn't hard it's easy like it's it's like the vision of holiness that it gives us is that we are so transformed by love that this is just natural, right? So in, in the story, Jose said, I felt, what did he say? Like in the middle of that story, like I felt a deep calm come over me or I felt a deep peace come over me. And so in that moment for Jose, it probably wasn't, he, I don't think he was loving her through gritted teeth. There was something that had happened mm -hmm. in him and mm -hmm. was happening in him that allowed him, like it was an overflow of real like, Mm -hmm. I'm not just acting loving because I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Like there's this overflow toward you. Um, and I, I'm just reflecting on like, that was a huge paradigm shift for me to, to go from thinking that my, my failures to love were not occasions for me to like, you know, like drill down and fix it and try harder and get better but instead they were just, they were moments for me to reflect and, and just notice and say, ah, I'm not filled with love yet. <laughs> not completely, you know, and, and just, you know, there are moments of repentance, obviously, and that kind of thing. And, and maybe there's some grief there. Um, but realizing like the goal isn't to like fix that as a problem in and of itself. The goal is to like keep living in love. Um, and, and over time, over time, you start to notice these things are shifting in you and they're internal shifts. It does become easier mm -hmm. not to mm -hmm. react. It does become easier to, for love to be something that comes out of you. And then there's, you know, kind of this beautiful <laughs> moment of like, oh, look at there. Notice, noticing something different happening in me, mm -hmm. you know, that used to set me off. But now that now there's something happening that I'm able to point to and say, God is, God is doing something here. This isn't a result of my own strategies and techniques to fix myself. But this is a, this is a result of something God is doing in me that I couldn't do for myself.
Ja. Joel, did you have more thoughts about that? You probably do. I, I don't know if I do right now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, that, that uh, yeah, what Ben's saying, I, I hear, yeah, what I hear you saying about it's how it's only hard if we're not actually living in that love. That's when it's hard. Because we're not living out of that love. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not a strategy that we can learn. It's, yeah. it's, only a, it's only a love that we can live into. Yeah, yeah. And it flows out of us. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Other thoughts connected to that or, or different friends? I think one of the, one of the biggest shifts for me uh, in this whole realm of kind of seeing, seeing our origin story and then our, the, the future that God is, you know, uh, bringing us into in, in terms of resurrection, new creation. Like one of the biggest shifts that's taken place for me is that I feel like it gave, it gave me freedom to not, uh, I guess, to think of mission, evangelism, even proclaiming good news in much broader, wider categories. Like I used to think of it as a very narrow thing where if the goal is to get people across this line that like guarantees their, their entrance into heaven upon death. And that was evangelism. That's like, that's what we know how to, you know, that's, that's getting people across that line. That's legit evangelism. Everything else is sort of like, eh, it's okay. You know, but you're just sort of being nice, but it's given me freedom to just proclaim good news to people, like seeing how Jesus does this and like Jose in the story, how he, you know, proclaims good news to her. I mean, his, his evangelism was almost explicitly like Jesus Christ loves you, but he didn't say like, he wants to save you. And he didn't argue with her saying like, you're not a Christian, but the good news was he wants to take away your burden. You know? Um, and so f for me, it's been freeing to realize like I can just proclaim good news to people. They don't have to understand the mechanics of the atonement, like <laughs> to receive good news. Like I can just proclaim just one aspect of good news for somebody. You know, yeah. Jesus wants to take away your burden and, and it's, you know, it's good enough. If they start responding to that good news, they're headed in the right direction, you know, <laughs> like anyway, so it's, it's been really freeing for me to, to be able to see that, that as legit. That's legit mission. It isn't that the point of just living, living life in Christ, living out the gospel. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, that's the whole point, right? So it's as you go, mm -hmm. you know, make disciples so as you go yeah. tell about me be yeah. be who you are in me and yeah. um so i think you know like i mean i'm just thinking back to japan and of course we had all the little evangelism courses before we went and mm -hmm. yeah. you know um i mean we weren't with the four spiritual laws group so we didn't do the four spiritual laws 
but yeah. you know we knew about them and yeah. We, yeah. You know, we could draw a little picture or whatever but mm -hmm. it was it was living life in, like what i would say was they called friendship evangelism so it was mm. just living life alongside people and being being love being peace being hope yeah and and proclaiming that word so i yeah. i totally agree with you ben that it's com it's completely different from this yeah cross the little bridge across mm -hmm. that line and do the right thing and check the little box and then go through your four-week discipleship mm -hmm. or baptism preparation course um yeah. i think that's one of the saddest things mm -hmm. about about missions and evangelism is that you know when people don't when people don't cross the line they're um they're often then okay well we'll work we'll we'll focus on the other people then yes. so in other words yeah yeah you're you're you well you didn't do what i expected you to do or you didn't do what you're supposed to do to get into my little group so you know you're I'll, i won't spend time with on you anymore and i saw that happen way too often and it was really sad yeah well that betrays that 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 reveals that our love is conditional That it's not that it's we're actually not tapping into this love that Jose no. had. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen that too, Nancy. Like as soon as I realize you don't want what I'm selling you, mm -hmm. then I'll move on. And part of that is it's really hard to be with people that are rejecting Jesus. It, sometimes, right? If it's if it's bearing destructive fruit in their life. It's hard to be around right. those people. It's right. hard to be in proximity to those people. It takes a lot of, depending on who, our personality, it takes a lot mm -hmm. of differentiation or patience or, you know. Well, and I think it's too, if, if, if it's my, if my identity is tied up in it in a negative way mm -hmm. in that, so um, I'm the evangelist and I need for you to, you know, be one of my numbers or join my little church or whatever, then yes. if, the, if the rejection comes, it's a rejection of me instead of grappling with what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. So it mm. makes it a completely different uh, view of what's happening. So if you're, if you're quote unquote rejecting, seems like you're rejecting Christ or you're rejecting the message, I take it as you're rejecting me. Yes. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to pursue this any longer. But if we see it as the Holy Spirit working, like the lady with Jose, I mean, she sat in her car and cried. I mean, was yeah. the Holy Spirit at work or what? Hmm. But hmm. she didn't pray that. She didn't pray the, the prayer right then, right? Hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, but like, I think, I've, I don't know. I, I, I'd love to hear other people on this. I've had these profound moments. One of the reasons I talk about Dallas Willard all the time is because when I was with him, I wasn't spewing uh, racist things against Dallas, but I did experience an intense concentration of God's love. And it's marked me. It's marked me. And I, you know, I didn't get saved there, but like I, I, my, my, my hunch is moments like this are not wasted in God's economy of grace even if we can't understand what's happening internally about whatever whatever line or or zone or proximity to whatever i mean how are you whatever metaphor you use to describe conversion 
I, I don't, I think we can be agnostic about the, the role this plays and still say, um, in God's economy of grace, this is a significant happening in her life. And that actually does, I mean, that does free us too from needing to secure outcomes when we're encountering people who we just, we just can so see, we can just proclaim good news. Yeah. There's something to this too, right? There's something to this kind of pressure off proclamation. It doesn't have to be when somebody's coming at you with a, you know, with some racist vitriol. But being able, but having the awareness and capacity to in season and out of season to proclaim good news like that. Yeah, and and not just to people who don't know Jesus or might not be Christians. You know what I mean? Like we we learn we learn how to hear this ourselves and live into it, and we also learn how to speak it. Um, you know, as part of the culture we're trying to cultivate. I mean, it's one of our practices, right? Proclaiming good news, uh, gospel, yep, gospeling. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, you can, you can spot it happening, you know, various, various moments, you know, Joel, I feel about once a week, I feel inspired to look at you and just tell you that I appreciate you and I love you. Right. I don't know, you know, but that, that that's it. That's got, that's gospeling, right. That's yeah. the same kind of thing. Um, yeah. Matt, Matt, you did this for Sydney, uh, before the confirmations she was sharing, some of what she feels called to do. And you just affirmed it over her and said, I see that in you. Um, you are an encourager. You know, you encourage my daughter. You know what I mean? Like, that's it too. Like, that's the same kind of thing as Jose did for that woman. Um, it, it's of the same cloth. And we learn how to do that together. And it creates a culture where it just becomes natural and easy for me to do it elsewhere, you know, because, well, this is what we do all the time. Um, so that, that was another paradigm shift for me. It's like the whole thing is mission. It's not just like I've got this, these special techniques I employ with people who aren't Christians. It's no, I just live this life. I just learn to do these things. Mm -hmm. and I do them for everybody. Like everybody needs good news all the time. <laughs> you know, A lot of bad news. Everybody needs this. Um, so learning to, and that, that's been a pressure off thing for me as well. Yeah. There's not this certain outcome or certain skill I need to learn that's like unique to this environment. It's not, it's the same as every environment. Same as every relationship. Yeah. This is really good stuff. I'm, I'm curious if you're getting a picture of, uh, if this gives you, if, if this funds your imagination for the kind of gospeling or uh, evangelizing community we, we aspire to be. And how this maybe differs from communities you've come from or experienced in the past, or maybe, maybe you know more about this than we do. Right. Maybe you've been surrounded by Jose's your whole life. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. If you have them. Or other thoughts you have. <laughs>
Mallory, what are you thinking? This is the time. This is the time of the class where Mallory, you need to begin speaking, and then we all edit, edit out all that silence too. <laughs> and, then we, and then we all just are like, <laughs> "Why did Mallory wait thirty-two minutes to talk again?" No, no. Uh, Mallory, what are you thinking? What are you, what, what's going on? I do have some thoughts. Um, like, just I don't know. We're talking about or our DNA group is getting into uh, Grace and Truth Matrix this week. And just moving from, you know, paradigm to posture and just hearing like a lot of that in this conversation. Um, and I was just thinking through this week, like hearing some of the good news that's proclaimed it on Sundays, specifically the, you know, we want to love the heaven into people <laughs> instead of scaring the hell out of them. Um, like there's such a difference between this is a little jumbled even, but some of the same language I've heard before, but hearing it at the table, like it, I've heard it, but it just seems like authentic and huh. pure and like without agenda or motive. And so like being able to like differentiate like the posture in which it's being like presented, like has been a really big deal for me and like a, a big, like, I don't know, like a, I guess paradigm shift, but I was, was on Facebook today and it's like the giving campaign and somebody's slogan, like they're doing good things, but like, you know, we just want to love the hell out of these kids. And I was just thinking like, that's so corny. They're like, <laughs> they're like, I kind of like heard the same thing at the table and I just thought it was so profound and wonderful. And like being able to like differentiate like the posture and like, the, you know what I mean? Like there's just something different. And I don't know like what to do with that, but like some of this conversation like stirs up those things. And I think like being able to be in like the authentic, like agenda free speaking good news without this like hustle or like pressure to like get what I need to get said, like people can like read that. And so I feel like it's more of an impact just to like step back and be like, you know what, like Jesus said his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Like maybe I shouldn't like be so pushy with my stuff or like come with these one liners. And I don't know, like, I don't really know what kind of where I'm at with that, but just like hearing those two things, like in the same week and one of them, like making me really uncomfortable and like kind of repulsed mm. by it. And the other one being like, yes, like say more to me, you know, like, I don't know. It's been interesting through it's kind of been like a, a flow for me through the beginnings and endings and this conversation kind of brought that up again. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's so, it's so fascinating that the line between corny and profound is razor thin. Yeah. Just, I, I, I think this has to do with like what someone's hustle is like in saying it, like, do I have an agenda or do I not? And like people being able to like, it's like the it factor. Like you just, someone has it or they don't. It's like, someone has an agenda or they don't and it just whichever one you're operating in is the one that person receives yeah when you say have have an agenda yeah I'm, like I'm, unpack that a bit because here's i would say th there's a way of telling jose's story where he had an agenda totally yeah it's right? like I, but you're not using it like that well how are you using that yeah like for, for like the, we want to love the hell out of these kids, like slogan, like 
to me, like when I read it, I was like, man, like they're trying to be so cool for people who like don't operate in the Christianese language. Like, Oh, here's my, my like unbeliever friends or my like worldly friends who aren't in church. And like, man, they must think I'm so cool. Cause I said the word hell in my like feel, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the agenda is like, like me so that you'll like do what mm-hmm. I want of you. Mm-hmm. And whereas like the other one is like, it's just good news. Like there's no agenda for like, what can you do for me or what can you, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Spencer's like miming things to me. I have no clue. <laughs> he can, uh, you know, he's welcome to cop on top of the class. <laughs> it's like screaming like a little. He's intimidated. I, he's I've intimidated got, by Mallory's wisdom on this. Course. I've got a picture of him in like basketball high tops with like long baggy pants and like a like a muscle shirt. He's got one of those uh, those two handles with the the uh, the. Uh, um, the springs attached between them, and he's like pulling them out, like working out off those little off. hand ones. Yeah, you got a hand. <laughs> a little sweatband on. Sweatband, yeah, wristbands. Doing some deep knee bends. <laughs> well, maybe that's not what's happening, but um, <laughs> he's welcome to chime in too. Yeah, Mallory, there is a posture difference, right? Yeah, and it, I, I don't know. I think it's like a human. Like you're like born with being able to like differentiate between the two like you don't really learn it you just it's like a human instinct i can know whether or not like hmm. you're playing me or if this is like legit and so it's so funny to me that so many people still like read into or like buy into the like hustle method because like it just doesn't work yeah 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 <laughs> I'm with you. Great thoughts. So one of the things that Ben said, I'm curious, I'm curious. um, I think Ben and I have sort of made this, um, we sort of pushed our chips to the center of this, this kind of, uh, this gambit, I guess, which is that, um, Christians and non-Christians both need the gospel. Like we all need the gospel. And, um, because we cross a line or, um, get transferred from one domain to another, doesn't mean we need to stop hearing it. We just need to get, you know, farther up and further in, as uh, as I said. And so then um, our hope is that, like Mallory, like you mentioned, like the grace and truth matrix. And like Jose is firmly in the upper right quadrant, right? Like he is calling this woman in um, while she's like busy calling him out, you know? Um but our hope is that as we learn how to proclaim the gospel to each other and learn how to hear the gospel in community, that we will become the kinds of people who have gospel imaginations to be gospelers, not just in like really safe environments, controlled environments, but in other environments as well. 
So I guess then another way to say that is the best way to become an evangelist like Jose is, is to hear that good news you're giving to this woman yourself over and over and over again. Like Jose's giving her what he's received. Not what he's memorized. Like what he's received. And, um, and so for us, like we, we want to train in mission as we are discipled because that's what we have to give. That's what we have to give. And, you know, we may be wrong. <laughs> I, I don't think we are, but uh, we may be wrong. But that's kind of, I mean, that's why we don't do an evangelism explosion or have like a, you know, a Saturday morning uh, headbutt you in the eternity um, funny bone and send you out door to door. Like that's why we don't sort of do that. Um, it's because, um, you know, you, you can't predict when somebody at discount tire is going to land you. <laughs> you just can't schedule that in. So, and that was, that was towards the end of my message. I'm not sure if I mentioned that it was in my notes and I, uh, everybody, I don't know if you saw, but the sermon file was under 30 minutes this week which is a big, it's a work of grace in my life. So I was really shooting for under 30 and I hit it. But I don't know if there's thoughts about that too. I think that's one of our key convictions is that we all need the gospel. So, um, so talk about, if you would, um, yeah. proclaiming the gospel to ourselves. So not just hearing it in community, not just hearing it from each other, yeah. but proclaiming it, proclaiming it over ourselves. Yeah. What, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, it, so, so one of the things that we're doing in our DNA groups is that we're learning to tend to the God who's always present and at work. And as we go along in our DNA groups and we introduce more and more concepts and more and more tools, we'll begin to name, um, like right now you guys are reading assignments and you're coming back with your, this is what caught, caught my eye or struck me or seemed important. And we'll name those as what we call Kairos moments. Opportunities or potentials for the inbreaking of the kingdom, right? Because if God is so real, he most fully meets us who we really are. Um, he, starts, he starts in our perceptions, right? Another way to say it is, there are times when you make quantum leaps of perception. God was in this place and I didn't know it or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, or I, uh, who's to stop these people from being baptized, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a trance, but, but, but most of our, most of our times with God, you know, aren't these mountaintops get, get blinded. You know what I mean? Uh, be caught up in the third heaven. Um, uh, see angels ascending and descending. Most of, our, most of our encounters with God are pretty mundane, pretty ordinary. And so the training is to tend to God in the ordinary, trusting that we're not going to miss getting knocked off a horse and being blinded, <laughs> but we will miss maybe um, an angel visiting us, somebody's angel visiting, which happens a couple times in Acts. <laughs> like it's just crazy, right? So, um, 
all that to say, we, we, we learn to pay attention to what we call bad news. Things that interfere with or contradict the reality of Jesus as Lord and all the, and all of the, um, all of the evil and badness and wrongness that undoes. So would this, would this be like the examine the desolations and consolations then? I mean, the being aware. Yeah. What draws us to Christ and what, what draws us away or what the bad news. Yeah. Yeah. So examine is a really intentional focus time of replaying a period of time to call that. Right. Right. But this and is what like you're talking about all in all of life. Being I'm aware. talking about becoming the kind of person who goes, um, uh, what happened to me today? Um, my wife wanted to have a conversation about a birthday party this Saturday. And we've been waiting to see if our schedule is clear to have the conversation. And it was finally clear. And, and I had this conviction that we should go to this birthday. And my wife, who's an Enneagram one, let the listeners understand. She already had decided what was the right and appropriate thing for us to do with this birthday. And it disagreed with me. Like we disagreed. And she said, we need to talk about this birthday. And, I, and as soon as I realized where she was with it, I got really agitated and irritated. That, now that, that, so, so a kairos then is anything either where we're sensing the kingdom of God breaking in or we sense something would be different if the kingdom of God came. Okay. Right? So it's either consolation right. or disconsolation. Now I could have reflected on this tonight when I go into bed, but we want to train ourselves to become to become present to those things in the moment, because mm -hmm. we we actually believe that's a burning bush. Yeah. If if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, and if we can tend to it, so yeah. in that moment I realized I'm having a kairos because anger and agitation isn't a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> And the fact that I'm aware of it is evidence of God's grace. Because how much anger and irritation in my life am I not aware of? And it just it completely has me under its dominion. Right? So, that, so, that's, so that's part of it. And then, and then what we do in our DNA groups is we process that. Like, why are you agitated? Why are you angry? What's the story or the narrative there? Right? And I know because I process this in, in DNA groups couple uh, dozen times so I know what's going on there like this is an old stomping ground for me with my wife and so then it's to it's just to name that to name that narrative and then um, begin to allow what God has said to me about that back in I mean that's a that's a that, I mean that happened to me three hours ago that's an example of that. Yeah. The, the other thing that comes to mind, Nancy, when you ask about learning to proclaim the gospel to ourselves yep. um, is uh, for me, and this, this gets into like traditional sort of 
you know, Anglican spirituality. Like for me, daily prayer is that as well. So that, you know, that's a Matt named a, Matt named a, a, a moment that occurred, right? Where we're learning to respond in those moments, you know, paying closer attention, you know, learning to back away from our anger and agitation, or at least get some space and say, wait, what's happening here? And, you know, proclaiming good news. But for me, the vocabulary of good news is something I learn, is something I learn in, in prayer and in scripture. And you know what I mean? And so, you know, I love what uh, Bishop Mark uh, shared with us. It is in his sermon a couple Sundays ago, where he talked about like, um, you know, the liturgy begins with, begins with God, the reality of, of God, that, that God is blessed and, and he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, and, and, and for me, like beginning my day in prayer is another way of proclaiming good news about this day, yeah. like right here and now, and there's scripture mm-hmm. being read and I'm, I'm proclaiming the reality of the kingdom. Like this is the dominant reality of my life. Yeah. First thing in the morning, you know, and um, learning to do that. I'm, and for me, uh, like punctuated prayer has become important. So I, I try to pray, you know, and it's not very long, but like, you know, three or four like breaks uh, per day. And, and that, that's an important part for me as well of proclaiming good news over myself is in the midst of my work day, whatever's going on, there's these moments where I can, I return to, oh, this is the reality of my life. Hmm. I live in the kingdom, you know, God's yeah. present to me. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Other, other thoughts about that from other people? This is a great question. I mean, this is, this is the training of DNA groups and see what you're talking about. Just, I mean, I, the question is right in the heart and the center of the spirituality we're seeking to live together. But I'm curious if other people have thoughts on it. I would just say that, um, that learning this practice of noticing kairoses, um and recognizing those narratives um, that continue to play in my own life. Um, that's, that's something that is, it, it's, it's really, really a new concept for me. Um, it goes back to that, uh, I think what you said about how, uh, how Christians and people who aren't Christians all need good news. And um, like actually like accepting that, that I need to hear good news um, is, is like a, <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm still like trying to, uh, figure out how to like actually receive that good news, you know, most, most of the time. Um, so I feel like for so long, um, I, I lived under the impression that like the good news is something that, I share with other people that don't have this thing yet. Um, and then um, I wonder why I continue to like, you know, hate myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so like actually being able to recognize um, those moments where I'm aware that I'm, I'm, I'm having those thoughts or feelings um, and to recognize that as grace uh, and to 
to allow myself in the within a within community like hold that out and and say what's what what is this what is going on here uh, what is the what is the what is the bad news narrative that i am living into that makes me believe that this is true um and and allowing myself to receive good news about that um it's just so different than than anything i've ever been a part of and um it's been really good news for me um and that being said like it's still like really difficult for me to receive that good news you know i'm still learning how to do that how to receive that good news and how to actually live into that good news yeah i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah <clears throat> maybe to bring joel's comment back full circle then nancy for me the the bad news i live in is that i don't matter mm-hmm. and what i want doesn't matter now that's not what my wife's trying to do by having the right thing figured out at all but that's the way i internalize the fact that she doesn't really want to know what i think because she already knows what she thinks and so this feels like a charade where I'd be, I'm like, oh, are you sure we shouldn't go? You know, and she, like her mind's made up. Um, and so for me, in order, in order to actually love my wife, like I've got to go to Jesus and resolve the fact that I don't feel significant or seen or that I matter. Otherwise, I'm going to resent my wife because she doesn't see me. Right? And so, and so then for me, it's just noticing that, like, oh, yeah, I've been here before. Hello. Hello, old insignificant friend. The story that I, the story that lives in my bones, right? That, you know, the, the Lord of all creation actually in his, in, in, the, in God become flesh, he has dealt with and resolved this need for me. Because, the, because he sees me and because he gives me his spirit and because I have significance as his son. And I don't need to derive that from this conversation with my wife. Like that's, the gospel has to live there or it's, or it's just an abstract theory. Does that make sense, y'all? Yeah, can I say something else? I feel like yeah. if, 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 um, if the gospel doesn't live there, I see that everything I'm doing is, is <laughs> going back to some, like what Mallory said before, and even what Nancy was saying real earlier. Um, everything I'm doing is just to hustle other people, to get them to, hmm. uh, right. to for me to get something out of them, for me to yeah. be, accept, for me to be accepted by them in a, in a particular yeah. way. Yeah. For, um, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be constantly demanding that others like, or, or trying to manipulate others into giving me this thing that I feel that I lack, uh, unless I can learn how to receive, like receive it from the Lord, like receive the good news that I need from the Lord. I, I will be unable to love anyone because I'll need, I'll need them to act in a certain way towards me. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I can't really love other people because I'm just looking for them to validate me in some way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. I need a specific outcome from you. And so I'm going to try to extract it by whatever means necessary. Yeah. Humor, intelligence, Dracar Noir. (laughs) Domination. Domination. Like whatever the strategy is. I'll get angry. Flirtation. I'll flatter you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the bad news that people are most in touch with, right? Like people are in touch with my wife doesn't care for me. She doesn't respect me. And um, I mean, I'm not the only one who has that sort of bugaboo. Not everybody does, but I'm not the only one. And I think as I hear good news about that with Sharon, I'm able to share that with my unbelieving neighbors in a really on the ground, non-churchy way. Right? You know, you're created for significance and for respect, dignity, tons of dignity. And so when you perceive that you're not receiving it, there's a reason why that bothers you. Because you're created for that. What if, what if you had all the significance you could possibly handle as a gift? That's the good news we have, friends. That's it. What if your wife isn't the obstacle to your significance? What if you already have what you're demanding she give you? I, I remember asking Dallas Willard this question. Um, and he, uh, Ben, do you remember me asking this question about how do you proclaim the gospel? At that Ecclesia okay. gathering? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, how do you proclaim the gospel? I was like, you know, Dallas, I don't think you would say the gospel is some sort of like elaborate atonement theory. Mm-hmm. Atonement theories are fine. They're good. I just got this huge book on the atonement, so I'm going to read it, start reading it tomorrow. But I was like, Dallas, how do you proclaim the gospel to somebody? And this is what he said. He said, well, I'd tell them to start reading the gospel. Pick one, anyone. And when you come to something that Jesus teaches it seems like a good idea to you try to do it (laughs) and when you are incapable of doing it ask him to help you (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course that's it right there that's what i was gonna say but like (laughs) you know dallas is basically saying like follow jesus Follow Jesus as a teacher and mm-hmm. then rely on him when you come to the end of yourself, mm-hmm. which is basically what the last 15 minutes I've been telling you, Nancy. <laughs> like, it's basically what Dallas said in like six seconds. Um, anyway, that blew me away. That was 2009. That blew me away when he said that. That blew me away. Friends, other thoughts, um, questions, ideas, things you want to throw out before we close tonight? Am I unmuted now?
Yes, Melody. Now I can hear you. Um, I just want to say how much I'm enjoying this. Um, I have, I've been swimming in streams that have introduced these types of concepts to me. Um, you know, in, in my story work, um, in, mm. um, you know, just in a, a, approaching my life, looking at, you know, the different narratives of my life, of my story, um, you know, even, even the 12 step program, um, has mm. language that is, mm. um, very grace filled, you know, I mean, even, you know, the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous has a line in it that talks about God doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. Yes. Um, you know, I remember the first time that I read that, I, I was just flabbergasted. And I thought, well, why would God do something for me? Shouldn't I be doing that for myself? I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it was stunning to hear things like that. Mm. Um, and it took me a long time to trust that those things were true mm. because I had not heard that sort of blatant grace, mm. unvarnished grace in the church. I had heard grace, but, but it was, you know, people were always kind of suspicious of grace. And so, you know, you still better really work really hard and do all of your disciplines just in case, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you still have to do your part, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, mean, I mean, we just could never sit yeah. and just completely stake our lives on the fact that even our desire to love God was a gift from him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so listening to you, you know, it's, it isn't as though it's, it's another language, even though it sort of feels like another language, because you're using specific language and words to describe it. Um, I, I just appreciate um I, I just appreciate hearing this in a church. Um, you know, it, it just, it's, it's like it begins to heal something inside of me. Um, I just appreciate that. So, that's all. Well, just wait, Melody. We'll screw up. Just wait. Just wait. It'll happen. But when it happens, you'll think back to this and you'll say, Absolutely. Matt told me he'd screw up. I can, I can bring this to him because yeah. it's not going to surprise him. That's what Grace does. Grace says, yeah, of course. But let's be, let's be righteous. Let's be righteous. Yes. All, all right, friends. I, I was, hopefully that didn't scare you too bad, Melody. I wasn't trying to scare you. I was just saying, like, we're not perfect uh, here. 
Oh, I don't, I don't have anybody here on pedestal. <laughs> Good. I'm, Thank God. I, I am, I'm just appreciating what I'm hearing. Except, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, um, I'm super honored to be uh, in a church with y'all. Mm -hmm. This is our last Tuesday night for now. Yeah. Um, this is the end of the beginnings and endings. We're going to begin preaching through the prophets at Advent. We're going to hear from uh, two people, three people on this call in Advent, myself, which, you know, um, you probably are sick of hearing from me, but also Andrea and Nancy are in the College of Preachers. They're going to be preaching um, through some prophets. And then, uh, friends, our next class will probably begin in February. We take a couple month break. Um, and so my hunch is we'll do it like this. Uh, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through a study that a, a friend of ours named Mako Nagasawa, he's Japanese, he has put together a study called A Long Repentance. And it's basically looking at the Western church's um, in, influence of colonialism and economic uh, sin. And, and racism. And I, th I thought it would be uh, fitting for us as a predominantly white church as we approach Lent to learn from a non-Caucasian brother who uh, has, I mean, he is a, he's a masterful theologian, this guy. He's really good. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and he's written like a 13-week like, like class with a study guide. And, um, and who knows, he may even show up some, uh, some to one of our classes. If we do it virtually, he said, let me know how I can help you guys in any way. So I, I thought about asking him to come and, and just be with us for a night um, if we decide to do it Zoom again. But anyway, we're going to take a two-month break, take some deep breaths, get our Tuesday nights back. Um, Mallory has some catching up to do with uh, Cougar Town, so we'll let her do that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm kidding. Uh, and then we'll reconvene later, but you'll see messages about that group me. Thanks for, thanks for you guys. Thanks for being here and making this class amazing. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for being Lots of fun, guys. Yeah. Can I just say one last thing? I just want to yeah. thank you. Thank you guys for choosing this kind of a topic to help us know who we are, where we live, where we've come from, where we're going. Mm. I mean, I think it was very insightful. Um, God led for you to, yeah, give us a, tell us where our home is, mm. you know, our home is here now and our home is not yet. Yes. And, um, and I think it was, yeah, it, it was, it was really good. Thank you. I think we can all say that. Thanks, Nancy. Yes. It's been good. All right. Peace, everybody. Good night. See, See you guys soon. Bye. Peace.